And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the commentary for Seminar 47. My name is Colin Kelly, and with me tonight, I currently have... Perry Whittle. Hello. Yes. Uh, hopefully, Charles Russell will be joining us uh, later on in the commentary, but for now, we've got Perry. Yay. Um, and he... So, sorry. <laughs> I, I wrote a little uh, short audio play called Massively Multiple Primate Theorem. Check it out. Which is first up like this episode. It's bananas. Bananas, yes indeed. <laughs> um, here we have Fiona Thrail as John, uh, Chris Canary as Mark One, Kate Donovan as Caesar, uh, Bernard Groves as Dr. Smith, and Kristen Bays as the instructor. A lot of characters for a 30 second interval. <laughs> yeah. And here's the short. This is Vermont Smooth by Kevin McLeod. You can find it at incompletech.com in case you didn't know that. You should really check out his work. He's probably in practically old pendants uh, stuff now. And uh, in the episode, we have Hannah Jang Condell playing Cece and Richard Casto playing Champ. And this is another interview gone wrong, and therefore a little bit reminiscent of the uh, short audio play that I wrote called Wanda's Wonderful Wizard World, which was in seminar number 30. Oh, and it also reminded me of On the Lamb. I think you wrote that that was a long time ago, too. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, I was trying to think, what were my influences when I wrote this? And I was thinking of the radio comedy duo Bob and Ray. They used to mine this territory regularly. Interviews gone wrong um, and with wonderful results. So that's clearly an influence. And I started uh, two or three audio plays that played with the concept of the infinite monkey theorem. Um, how soon would an infinite number of monkeys typing on an infinite infinite number of typewriters produced the complete works of Shakespeare. So clearly that was an influence because I saw a lot of possibilities in that concept. Colin, I wanted to ask you, how, how do you um, deal when, with a new script when you get it for seminar? What's the first thing that you do and the second thing? And Well, uh, normally I read it. <laughs> Um, sure. definitely read through it, try to get a feel for things. Um, one thing I pay attention to, because I'm generally, the couple, like the third or fourth read-through, I'm writing the casting call at the same time, is I'm paying attention to the dialogue and trying to find character lines, you know, something that reveals a character trait or just something that I think an actor can hook on to and come off uh, with better off in an audition, because they can go, oh, I can play something like this. For the casting call. Yep. Is, it, is uh, that the idea? Trying to find stuff to put into the casting call? Pretty much. Uh, and it, mm -hmm. I find it helps with casting because once you find a, char a character trait, you can listen to the audition and go, that person's got the character trait I'm looking for. Uh, do they have this one? And try to balance that out. Yeah. Um, then, of course, um, when I'm sitting down and recreating it, it always helps to visualize how things are going, um, blocking... I have uh, both of these guys at a 20% uh, panning to the right and left. Uh, the angel effect, as I've heard it mentioned, where you hear one on each shoulder. Uh-huh. 
Um, just be, and theoretically, uh, one of the idea that you could be hearing this in your car radio as you're driving to work or something, and this is on the radio for you to listen to. So that's that's what I, what when I was approaching at least this piece. Generally, it depends on what piece I'm got in my hands. I modify that as I need to. But try to visualize it and figure out how it's going to sound. Get a idea of that at least. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, cool. Actually, our experiment is quite classically oriented. I'd ask. Um, obviously, we know where Champ came from, but what about Cece? Uh, where did you get the idea for Cece? Well, um, of course, she started out as the interviewer, and um, I was thinking, you know, uh, she's uh, clearly got something to do with um, uh, with uh, talking to writers. Um, and uh, the the first name that I um, her name kept changing as I worked on this script worked on it for a long time and um, eventually I came with, up with Celia Weindark um, and Colin I think you're a classical scholar um, uh, you may know probably that Homer in the Iliad and the Odyssey used this phrase the Weindark Sea several times and. Um, so uh, Homer has the Weindark Sea, and I've got C.C. Weindark, which I thought had a, a vaguely literary <laughs> association. Um, and uh, I, just, I just thought that was fun. And um, it's a very, very popular literary phrase. If you go to Amazon.com and search on the Weindark Sea, you'll find at least 30 novels that all have that title and a bunch of other books and stuff like that. Yeah, that's for sure. I just googled and, it. <laughs> yeah, and Champ, of course, is a typo for chimp, but it, you know, suggests that he's an athlete of some kind, and so I like that as the initial misunderstanding. Well, then I, I'm oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say I really like what um, Hannah and Richard are doing here. Richard is really going uh, very over the top with the. Um, chimpanzee noises, the primate noises, and um, I do want to point out that this is uh, this has got nothing to do with my struggles writing. This is about uh, a primate, a, a chimpanzee, and a typewriter, and a radio interview. This is this is uh, not a metaphor. It's not um, some sort of uh, deeply personal uh, self-examination or anything like that. This is uh, just goofy stuff. <laughs> Well, now I wasn't thinking that, but now I am, so great. <laughs> oh, well, has that sort of backfired then? Um, <laughs> nah, but I, what I like about, uh, I think Richard Castle gave me, if I spliced them all together, I probably got about a 15 minutes worth of monkey noises. Uh-huh. So I think the blooper reel for this season is going to be very long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was really embodying the character. Um, pretty seriously, pretty incredibly well. Oh, there he goes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, I worked on this play off and on for a long time, probably more off than on. Um, the first draft that I found is uh, dated 2007, and I kept trying to add things to it uh, to make it more than just two characters talking. 
but uh, I wasn't that approach didn't seem to help. So eventually, I tried to cut it back to just the parts about the infinite monkeys, and or massively multiple primates. And uh, I usually try in my audio plays to add something that really makes it an audio play. You know, not just a movie without pictures or a recording of a stage play. For example, in Wanda's wonderful Wizard World, there are sound effects of magic, and one of the characters goes all wispy and indistinct. And in Origin Story, The Burrower, I ask for a sparkling sound when Frank Jones shows off a necklace. And we also have a couple of uber-hearing sound montages in that one. But in this one, uh, I ended up not doing that. It's just two characters talking. So I hope that was... Well, there was a little sound effect there where um, Val was searching for her notes, and that was very nicely done, Colin. Actually, that, she recorded of... those. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, she, they were Great. in the file. I'm like, well, this makes my finding a sound effect a little bit easier. Great work, Hannah. Excellent. So fully by Hannah Jane Cornell. <laughs> yeah. Marvelous. Sorry to interrupt. No problem. And uh, I first submitted this on uh, February 2nd, 2012. Happy Groundhog Day, everyone. And Val Dom, the editor, gave me some comments, and uh, I made the second submission, which was uh, accepted on February 15th, 2012. And so here it is now. Out and into the ether for all time. Yay! And that's, a, that's an incredibly fast turnaround for me. <laughs> Anyway. So I just realized most of the people hearing this should hopefully have heard uh, uh, you were recently on uh, PBS that's going to be in TWIP in two weeks, I think, uh, talking about how wonderful our editors are. Yeah. So, uh, so you'll have to check out Perry on that, guys. That's right. And here I am throwing in a bunch of... Uh, uh, favorite books that I've read and have enjoyed over the years and uh, and that's about it thanks everybody for contrib uh, everybody who contributed great job alright thank you for being on here Perry you're welcome interaction is not everything instinct can also be important too Alright guys, welcome back to the seminar commentary. I hope you haven't left since the required turning off the file. Uh, with me is Charles Russell, the writer of our second short, The Late Library. How you doing? Um, so we obviously opened in a library, which to me a library is always a ticking clock. Um, and with Steve Tardio as uh, Larry and uh, uh, River Karnoff as... Really awesome character of Hogan. Charles, you want to talk about uh, where they, this story comes from? Well, this is a... For a while, my family and I, we lived in a place called Red Springs, North Carolina, which is this little bitty town near Fort Bragg, which has a lot of your really old stately buildings in it, a lot of Spanish moss in the trees, and I always thought it would be a great place to have just like little horror stories happen, you know, little scary things. And Jewel here is based on a young lady I actually knew who was actually British, who looked exactly like Nastasia Kinski back during the early 80s. <laughs> and speaking of Jewel, here's Lynn Cullen as Jewel. Uh -huh. Excellent um, voice. I mean, yes, 
yes, we're open <laughs> until 8. Wonderful. Yeah, I kind of, the script said a vaguely European accent, so I'm like, all right, have at it, and Lynn auditioned with this voice, and I thought it worked, so it was made. Oh, you're the people who bought the old Nesbitt place. Didn't your real estate agent tell you the place had, like, a spook or two? It was a selling point. I'm Jewel, Jewel Ombra. Talking about that, the whole town had, like, four or five haunted houses in it, supposedly, so one good haunted house and this town has like three of them excellent well tell me something why would anyone actually want to move to this town i mean there's a uh, here this is the capital of nowhere kind of the interesting thing about these characters is i always thought is we hopefully you guys listen to the episode but it's a werewolf and a vampire talking to each other and i kind of have to wonder do they instantly recognize each other when they see it or do they not recognize each other at all or I hadn't really planned to be recognizing each other because you know it's basically later on when Jules walking home she doesn't she doesn't sense it's him and he hasn't sensed anything about her just that she smells good. good to the both of us. Oh, what line of work is he in? <laughs> Self-employed. Oh, I see. Well, we just happen to have several volumes of local history thanks to the very active historical society. <laughs> How wonderful. Okay, that's a volume of local history and two collections of personal reminiscence. I told you the Historical Society was an active group. Mm. If you've got a picture ID, I'll fix you up with a library card. Rather easy to get a library card in this town. <laughs> there you go. I think the last time I had to bring in like three things of mail and my passport and a social security card. Nice pocket full. Well, maybe I'll see you around then. <laughs> maybe so. See you around, Larry. <sighs> magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Oh, look, it's time to close up. Turn this off. That's oh, me messing around with panning with his feet, because that's over there, and that's over there, and he's just shutting off the lights and locking things. The back door. Finally, the door. Love the sound effect. Sounds like he's splitting open here. I love this. Celery. Really? It, it's cracking celery. So. And then... Uh, slowly uh, deepened his voice uh -huh. using a modulator so it sounds like he's turning into something else. And the music you're hearing underneath this is Gloom Horizon by Kevin MacLeod. Mm. So. He's got some great haunting pieces. Kind of one of the illusion of walking home and there's, if you listen, you can hear rustling in a bush. Right. Who's that? Show yourself. Yeah, same. Put Steve Tardio again. Just put his voice through the same uh, modulation that I had beforehand. By the way, the story you, have, the story you get playing in the background about the disappearing teacher—that is hilarious. Yes, I <laughs> That's actually, I'm like, I need some sort of uh, news thing, and I'm like, well, um, this is from Seminar 44 where. We actually had a news story going on, so I'm like, well, I'll just borrow that. <laughs> now, I'm wondering if it's too loud, because you can tell that it's a disappearing teacher in the background, so... Hmm. But, uh... Just found it, you know, always using things constantly. It's nice to use stuff that we have the rights to, and hey, have to have that lying around, so I used it. <laughs> I should probably give credit to everyone who's in that scene. It just has kind of a little background, yeah. Right. 
I've already eaten. Professor Butler has this to say. I've already eaten. Pretty hot day. As you can see, instinct and interaction is not always uh, what Kristen Bayes is the instructor. Uh -huh. Yes, of course. is Dr. Smith. Examples. Please carry on. And I... your reports are due tomorrow. I hope you did your homework, Charles. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you for being here with me, though, and thank you to Perry, who was on here earlier. Okay. Um, once again, thank you everyone who listened to this and all the great actors. And good job. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Smith. Yeah, that's what you guys know. You did, you did an excellent job with the mixing and all this other stuff. This is, it just never ceases to amaze me how you guys can make this stuff work. You know, it's like I'm a writer. I don't know anything about the technical end, but it's like that is just, I think it's just absolutely amazing the way you guys can put that together. Well, I had the luck. I got to work with Bruce Busby on a lot of teaching me how to do stuff, and mm -hmm. the man has all sorts of cool little details he can teach you. Yeah, probably has some nice little toys to play with, too, right? The little electrical ones and everything. Look <laughs> through the computer and everything. Not really. It's just microphone and Adobe Audition is what I mix with. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Well, I just want to say, just so, you, just so you guys know, this is my first time using Skype, by the way. So. <laughs> my first interview and my first Skype, so hey, it's a, it's a twofer. Well, he sounds nice. Yeah. Bye, everyone. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening.